0: Hey, Mark. Yes. So we watched Adam's Family Values. Indeed. Yeah. And there's a thing I thought about as I was watching that. Adam's Family Values is, of course, based on the Adam's Family, which is not originally a TV show, but does have TV in its roots.
1: Right. Especially for the family as depicted in the movie.
0: Right. Because... Some of the characters play different roles and there are more characters and et cetera. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought about while watching this is that this movie is kind of structured like an episode of television. Where you've got your A plot about Fester and Debbie. You've got a B plot about the kids at camp. And then you've got a C plot about the stuff going on with Gomez and Morticia. And they all kind of meet together at the end. Which like part of that is general screenwriting. But you see it particularly in TV with ensemble casts where you need to split them up in order to be able to do anything interesting. Right. And something we're probably not going to talk about much in this episode, but that was definitely my favorite part of the movie, was what I referred to mentally as the Camp Krusty plotline. Camp Krusty? Camp Krusty is from an episode from season four of The Simpsons. Okay. Where Krusty the Clown runs a camp that is absolutely dreadful. It trades on his popularity to get parents to spend money sending their kids there. Okay. But then they go there, and it's terrible, and it's this tyrannical camp, and the kids wind up staging a rebellion and burning it down, and it's a terrific episode of early Simpsons. Yeah. But the whole Camp Chippewa segment, to me, just made me think of that, which I very much enjoyed.
1: Oh, for sure. It's quintessential, like, nerds go to summer camp and get bullied.
0: And then rise above it.
1: Yeah, especially in this one.
0: Yeah, like I said, this was my favorite part of the movie.
1: Yeah, I really like this part. It's also quintessential 90s progressivism against racism, where they rely on racial stereotypes to raise a very important point about the life of Native Americans in the U.S.
0: I think the racial stereotypes in the play are part of the joke about how bad the play is.
1: Yeah, indeed.
0: The fact that allegedly we've got Pocahontas at the first Thanksgiving, and they're dressed (laughs) like Plains Indians. Yeah. And it's clearly written by people who have no idea what they're talking about, but want to depict what they call the most important day in our shared history.
1: Which is such a weird description of Thanksgiving. It's hilarious. I love this scene so much.
0: The whole camp sequence is great. I love the part where Wednesday and Pugsley get in trouble, and they're sent to the, like, shame cabin, effectively. Yeah, the Harmony Hut. Right. And the way that they torture them is by showing Disney movies, they play the sound of music at one point. We have this... Annie. We have this wonderful scene of just that... What's it called again?
1: I think it's the Harmony Hut. The Harmony
0: Hut. While time passes, which we can tell because the sky darkens, and we just hear smatterings of music, like The theme from the sound of music we hear the sun will come out tomorrow and then we hear the brady bunch theme it's
1: so good
0: right the idea is that this is how you would torture these kids right making them watch the most earnest entertainment ever
1: yeah because boy (laughs) is wednesday the opposite of bambi
0: right exactly
1: actually she would probably enjoy bambi because of the death of the mom
0: yeah, but it's Chris. It's just the beginning. Then you gotta oh, watch Thumber for the rest of the movie.
1: That's true. Christina Ricci is so good, in, so this good in this movie. Also, I think one of the main reasons the camp works is because they got Christine Baranski to be the camp counselor.
0: Yeah, and um, the other camp counselor is Peter McNichol, who's always great.
1: Yeah, they're the reason it works.
0: For sure. But also, you know, it's a funny sequence throughout. And. I credit the music a lot for that. The music throughout this movie is terrifically done.
1: Of course. It's Adams Family. That's one of the most important parts. Well, so yeah,
0: I mean, about 50% of the score is different variations on the Adams Family theme.
1: But it really can't be anything else. No, totally.
0: And my favorite one is when they do the dance scene.
1: The tango in the cavern? Yeah. And the
0: arrangement of it that they use there is really excellent.
1: It is. That's one of my favorite scenes because the concept of eating in a cave underground with a like orchestra hiding in a cage in the back of the restaurant where there's just a giant open space for dancing that no one uses except for the atoms. I mean,
0: that is a very particular aesthetic and it's good to know that it's yours.
1: Yeah, I was really into it.
0: Of course, the greatest use of music in this movie comes in the credits.
1: <laughs> oh, I, because... could, I didn't have time to listen to it because oh I gosh. just finished this movie. Well,
0: in the credits of this movie there is an arrangement of whoop there it is remixed with the adams family theme and a rap about the characters
1: i that is the most ridiculous thing about this movie and this is a ridiculous movie this was
0: less than a year after whoop there it is came out so it was like they're like quick cultural reference
1: that's when them trying to be like edgy and on and hip and and on with the trends it's
0: barry sonnenfeld just going for it
1: yeah i mean this movie is barry sonnenfeld just going for it i mean
0: that's fair this is only his second movie
1: i know it's insane i love this movie so much
0: i love barry sonnenfeld yeah you're more into this movie than i am yes but there are pieces like the camp that i loved so much i loved everything with thing yeah the disembodied hand i don't skitters around
1: it's so impressive still how they managed to get that hand
0: and when you compare it to like this year we had the cloverfield Paradox that did the disembodied hand thing and it was dreadful.
1: I didn't watch it, but I mean, in the original Adams Family, it looks just as good and that came out in like 1991. I just don't know how they got that disembodied hand to look so good.
0: And that's part of Sonnenfeld's whole shtick is that like he was doing Wes Anderson before Wes Anderson was doing Wes Anderson, where he's doing these like created worlds with like all the little pieces like running and doing their own thing.
1: Right. I think I just really am into this movie because I'm down for witty one-liners and this movie is just like an extensive setup for witty one-liners. Definitely.
0: This movie is more of an atmosphere. Yeah. Than anything else?
1: It like washes over you with feeling of just, you know, enjoyment and entertainment and it doesn't need anything else.
0: Yeah, I think it's telling that it got an Academy Award nomination for art direction,
1: which is very deserved. Right. Like they've
0: they've created this very particular aesthetic that dominates the movie, and that appears to make sense in this world.
1: Yeah, and I honestly think they should have been nominated for costumes, too, based on what Joan Cusack wears in this movie alone.
0: The thing about Joan Cusack's look in this movie is that, along with her hairdo, it looked eerily to me like Emma Frost, the White Queen from X-Men comics. I'm sending you a picture from her first appearance right now, okay. which looks exactly like Joan Cusack in this movie.
1: Oh my god, it really does. That's oh, that's so creepy.
0: So anytime she was on screen, I was like, oh, Emma. Look. Yeah, well, I'll put this picture on our Twitter account so you can see it.
1: I think they're also going for like weirdly a Marilyn Monroe-esque look in a lot of ways just with the cleavage-y white dresses and like right, yeah. quintessential old Hollywood, which it doesn't really fit the vibe of the movie, but it just works so well. Like you wouldn't look at this and think, you know what you need is old Hollywood, but she's definitely into the glamour.
0: There is definitely a mid-century aesthetic yeah. to this movie though. Because yeah. the Obvious Family is designed to be a bizarre mirror of that.
1: Right. It's supposed to be a weird opposite of quintessential American families in the fifties and, and sixties. I mean the
0: first comics were in 1938.
1: Right. And the TV show is 1964, I think. And it's just so interesting because similar with The Simpsons, where the parodies of American families always have the married couple be happy and in love, which is just such a sad criticism of American cultural ideas of marriage, where it's like, oh, You know how to turn marriage on its head in cartoons. Make them actually in love. What a wild and radical idea.
0: You know, actually, we are so deep into this. Should we start the show?
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot we hadn't. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And
0: I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. And This is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense?
1: And are these people actually dateable? or even likable.
0: It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one scene flirtation, we'll dig in and see what's there. And like we said, we are watching Adam's Family Values today, but Mark, you picked it. So why don't you make the pitch beyond what we've already done? Like, why did you want us to watch this movie?
1: So this movie really resonates with me. I've always appreciated the character of Morticia in every iteration of the Addams Family that I've seen. One of my favorite lines of this movie is, I'm just a modern woman trying to have it all. A great mother, a loving wife. I just wish I had more time to seek out the dark forces and join their hellish crusade. And everything is just delivered so perfectly that I'm always just so on board. And then Joan Cusack in this movie is such a perfect villain.
0: Joe Cusack is pretty fun in this movie. Yeah,
1: she commits harder than like any other person that in cinema. Like,
0: all of the performances here are so a hundred percent into this movie.
1: They are even the kids. The kids are
0: terrific. Wednesday in particular, she does an awesome job. Yeah, what is Carol Kane doing in this movie?
1: Um, I mean, what is she doing in Theodore Rex, which comes out only a few years later. At
0: what point do we have to just say, Carol Kane doesn't act. She just is Carol Kane.
1: I think we can say it based on Theodore Rex. She's doing some acting in this one, I'd say.
0: I think, like... (laughs) She's wearing a costume. (laughs) Yeah. Is the character distinguishable from her other characters?
1: I mean, she's actually a witch in this one instead of just having a witchy vibe. I think it's supposed to be ambiguous. I mean... that was
0: one of the things. I have no background in the Ottomans family. Right. Like I mentioned, except for the pinball machine at the bowling alley near my parents' house. Yeah. So my understanding always was that the Autumn family was a family of undead, like zombies and vampires and stuff like that, which at least in this movie is clearly not the case, but there's this witch that I don't know what to do with. It's always very ambiguous. Like, is
1: Lurch actually a zombie it's up in he the looks air like a
0: Frankenstein
1: monster. right he looks like a Frankenstein and then also kind of zombie-esque with his name being Lurch and then the grandma is she actually a witch like is the magic happening and then they do have reference like undead people coming at Adam's Family events stuff like that it's always up in the air but the main point of the Adams Family is they are rich they are macabre they are dark and they love each other and those are like the main things about the Adams Family And the richness is actually really important to the plot of the first one, especially, and this one, too. Where it's just like, why is this family so wealthy?
0: Well, they're old money.
1: They're very old money. And they
0: live in a big old manor.
1: (laughs) Right. the implication is that there's always been this line of Adams that are these creepy people.
0: And Adams, of course, was the name of the cartoonist who created the character.
1: Right. Charles Adams. First one in 1938. They started as New Yorker cartoons. Right. Yeah. And so the reason I picked this one over the first one, too, is because this one has the romance of fester and debbie whereas like if the only romance in the movie is gomez and morticia you'd have nothing to talk about cuz they're the two most in love happy people that we've ever talked about on this podcast i'd say yeah, yeah
0: but they're, they're fun. fun though
1: they're fun And it's done in such a way because they have the whole shtick of them being weird and macabre and into the idea of pain and stuff that you can make really sick jokes about them without having them have to be, like, mean to each other. Like, everything they say to each other is very sweet in its way. Except for things like when she's giving birth and he's just like, Are you in so much pain? Is it impossible to bear? And she just looks at him lovingly and says, Yes, because they're both really into s would be my guess. Something like that, yeah.
0: Like we said, this was Barry Sonnenfeld's second movie. His first one was the first Adam's Family movie. Right. Before that, he had been working as a cinematographer. We mentioned him. He shot When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. He also did a couple of 80s Coen Brothers movies. He did uh, the Danny DeVito movie, Throw Mama from the Train. Oh my god. Which is a wild movie. We
1: should watch that one. I don't even know if we need to cover it for the podcast. I just want to watch it. Have you seen it?
0: No. Oh. So it's uh, a riff on Strangers on a Train. Yeah. Where two people hate somebody in their lives and they meet each other on a train and are griping about it. And they're like, hey... The perfect murder is we kill each other's person. That's great because we have no connection at all. So there's no way to connect to the murder. Right. Um, But but it's a comedy with Danny DeVito. Who else is in it? Uh, You know, I forget who the other lead is. Let me check.
1: Okay. I also want to point out, I just looked him up because I didn't know. Oh, the other
0: one is Billy Crystal. Right. I knew that. Oh, yeah. And Billy Crystal in it is a writer who has been horribly unsuccessful, but... His ex-wife, whom he hates, has been really successful, and the movie shows this at the beginning by having her be on Oprah, but it's like late 80s Oprah. Uh Oh. We
1: should watch this movie. Uh, I also wanted to figure out, I just looked his name up. Donald Peterman did the cinematography for this movie. And I just love the light on Morticia's eyes the whole time. Yeah,
0: anytime she's on screen, screen, her eyes are lit.
1: Yeah, the rest of her face is dark. And her eyes, there's just like a rectangle of light around them. And it's so impressive how they can do that. It takes a lot of work. You have to light Angelica Houston separately
0: in every scene she's
1: in. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's still pretty impressive. Some stuff, definitely not. But some of the things they do, in this
0: movie still look really good today yeah. i'd say and the movie was well reviewed and it had a solid box office performance yeah it came out november 19th 1993 it opened to 14 million dollars which is pretty good yeah went on to make almost 49 million which is a solid little performance for something like this right it didn't make a ton of money its budget was about 47 yeah if you had asked me i guess part of that is the production design but the reason that they Spent
1: so much makes sense because the first movie made like $115 million. Yeah. Really? yeah. So this is a sh- shocking disappointment in that sense where the first movie made so much money. Unless that's Lifetime. I just looked at what it said on Wikipedia and that might include like home DVD sales and stuff up to today. I'm on Box Office
0: Mojo and it's got $113 million domestic for adam's family
1: so that's the thing it's like they thought they could make much more than they did on this one
0: yeah and so then when they made a third one it was straight to video right and it didn't have the same cast it
1: didn't have anyone i don't think gomez and
0: morticia were played
1: by tim curry and daryl hannah i could see that working yeah i mean tim curry and adam's family seems to make a lot of sense it's a very good
0: fit you know since then they've done other stuff, like they did the Broadway musical, and they are currently in development on a CGI animated movie. Really? Yeah. They actually just, like, this week announced the whole main cast. They've got Oscar Isaac as Gomez, Charlize Theron as Morticia, Chloe Grace Moretz as Wednesday, Finn Wolfhard as Pugsley, Nick Kroll as Fester, and Bette Midler as Grandma. Okay, that's a pretty great cast. It's a pretty solid cast. I'm into it. I'll also watch Oscar Isaac in anything, so
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at the official character designs and these look pretty good. Yeah, they based look pretty on fun. the comics, especially. Like mixed with the seventies cartoon, which I never actually watched an episode of the seventies cartoon, but I, as I've said I watched Scooby Doo meets the Adams family. I was gonna say that actually was the first
0: animated appearance of the Addams Family.
1: Yeah, because that's when they were trying to figure out how to bring them back. But this looks this will be fun. I'll see it. Yeah.
0: Why not? I mean, I'll movie pass into anything pretty much. I know. Except for Smallfoot, I'm already resentful of that. It's like reaching Peter Rabbit levels for me, but of course I did see Peter Rabbit. Yeah. I mean, the problem
1: is by the time this comes out, next year there probably will be no movie pass anymore, let's be real. Unless it has completed its desired transition
0: into a film studio.
1: <laughs> we can't get into that. There's just too much to talk about there. I think it, we should probably just start go through the points, right? Okay, let's talk about this movie. Yeah. Okay, so the general plot of this movie is about Fester being lonely, meeting the nanny Debbie.
0: Fester is played by Christopher Lloyd. He's a bald, like Igor hunchback type.
1: Yeah, if you haven't watched any Adams family stuff, go man, if you look up a
0: picture of the cast, you've kind of got the sense of the movie.
1: Actually, yeah, just do that. Or even look at one of the cartoons because it all matches up still. Oh, apparently to get her to look like Morticia, Angelica Houston is in a metal corset and she has like plasters on her eyes and like a fake nose. Wow. And had to go through this intense makeup, and she couldn't even sit down when she was in costume. Wow. Because of the corset.
0: I mean, I know they did other stuff to try and make things easier for actors. So, like, in the scene where Wednesday is, like, blended in with the wall to yeah. spy on Debbie, they, they made a cast of Christina Ricci's body so that they could design that to look like the wallpaper, and they only had to paint her face to make the scene mark.
1: Oh, that's pretty smart. She so could just, like,
0: lean into this cast of herself.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. They may have fixed that. This is based off of Amazon X-Ray on the first one.
0: I love Amazon X-Ray.
1: So they may have figured that out by the second one, but I can't believe she couldn't even sit down. Yeah, That's, that's insane
0: not ideal. But But so yeah, we're talking about the romance between Uncle Fester, who is lonely, staring at the beautiful love of Gomez and Morticia. Yes. And it's kind of about his search for love.
1: Right, because it opens with him howling at the moon, which when you like watch the movie, you figure out it's from loneliness. And then the first real implication of this is you see him in bed reading a book called Strange Men and the Women Who Avoid Them. So clearly he is searching for help in his desperation for a woman.
0: Although that That seems like like the wrong book to be reading reading because that's about about the women who don't want to be with strange men
1: yeah i think my guess is it's based off of a real book it must be
0: there's a lot of 90s cultural references in this movie
1: yeah like when they are talking about different serial killers and they mention amy fisher no idea who that is I, i had to
0: look her up she was a 17 year old who was having an affair with a married man and killed the wife ah went to jail for it and when she came out she became a porn star
1: oh boy um, that's quite a movie. life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this movie came out, like, right after she had killed the wife. Like, right. And gone to jail.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. The porn star thing probably would have meant they didn't use that person in a movie like this.
0: I mean, who knows, frankly.
1: So, the point number one is when you first meet Debbie. <laughs>
0: Debbie Debbie played played by by Joan Cusack.
1: Debbie played by Joan Cusack. So the Adams have a third kid and are starting to feel a little overwhelmed.
0: Right, that's the start of the movie. Yeah, this new baby named Pubert, which was
1: originally supposed to be the name of Pugsley in the TV show, but they decided it sounded too much like puberty, which because
0: because that's the the point.
1: Yeah, and so the studio didn't go for it. So they brought the name back for this movie. So they have a third kid, and Morticia and Gomez are feeling a little overwhelmed. So they decide to Meanwhile, hire the a nanny. two kids
0: are trying to murder Pubert because they are annoyed that he's getting attention. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday has this whole thing about how you can only have a certain number of kids and if you have another one, you have to kill an older kid. And she turns to Pugsley and is like, Well, they don't need two boys, so Pugsley freaks out and joins in her efforts to murder Hubert.
1: My favorite one is the Marie Antoinette one. They dress this baby with a mustache up as Marie Antoinette.
0: Let's be clear, they did not give the baby a mustache. The baby has a mustache. The baby
1: is born with a mustache because he's an Adams, and so they dress him up like Marie Antoinette and go through the whole, like, Robespierre-style guillotine action before the baby catches the blade
0: somehow yes
1: what a weird movie but debbie shows up to interview for the position of nanny and she's clearly lying and has not been sent by the agency like she says well
0: Well, they had said said, like i "I thought the agency said said there was nobody left left. and she's she's like, like guess not
1: yeah i think she said she was on vacation and so she shows up is trying to be nice you know blah 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 but she already starts flirting with lurch So she's establishing herself as Lurch
0: is a mute, basically basically Frankenstein Frankenstein monster. monster.
1: Yes, that is their butler. And so she's like flirting with everyone. And then Fester sees her from upstairs and you can tell is immediately in love. And makes sense. Joan Cusack looks good in this movie. She She does. does, yeah. Like, she has a blonde wig on and is wearing very skin-tight dresses. This is four Four years after after she was a mom who used to be cool and say anything, anything, dot, dot, dot. 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 Oh, my God. This is four years after? Yeah. I think this is the most glamorous Joan Cusack has ever been allowed to look in movies. It It is pretty pretty great. great.
0: And, of Of course, after after she she gets gets the the job job and is, like, settling settling into... into... Her life with the Adamses, we see her watching a late night TV show, a crime show. Yeah. Kind of like an America's Most Wanted Deal. Yeah,
1: it's like America's most Most creepy unsolved murders. Yeah. And they're talking
0: about a woman named the Black Widow who has married three wealthy men, and all three Three of them have died died on their wedding night. Right,
1: and then you see her looking at a Forbes magazine that has Fester's face on the cover.
0: Because Fester is the heir to the Adams money.
1: Yeah, so he, which
0: also... I guess he's he's the elder brother.
1: It's unclear. I think they're both just rich. What business does he do that he's actually on the Forbes cover? Because it generally seems like they're just old money. Like, it don't actually do any work.
0: Maybe, Maybe he's on, like, their, their list, list of wealthiest, wealthiest people. people. Maybe. And they're like, this would be an interesting person to put a photo of on the cover. And that'll get people's eyes on the shelves. Yeah, I mean, that's true. This bald man who smiles too much with black... I don't know it's if it's supposed to be makeup, makeup in universe. I don't it's just, think like, so. Black, like, fester like, around his, his eyes. Right. His deep, sunken
1: eyes. So she starts flirting with fester. And this brings us to point number two. <laughs> where they're actually, like, going through the motion of flirting. She gives a lot of little waves and stuff, and he can't even speak to her. And all the while, Gomez and Morticia... It's a very... Again, everyone is really committed, but a very,
0: very, 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 very strange, strange performance from, from Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah, it's... He might be a little too committed sometimes, is Fester. Uh, he, uh, he might be a little too committed, committed sometimes, is a good summary of Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd.
1: I, yeah, I mean, that's true. Who, Who of course, is in... Back to the Future. future. No. Subject of a Future 2-hour episode. (laughs) We will discuss this later. So she's very flirty. Gomez and Morticia are both, like, egging him on. At one point, Gomez and Fester are talking, and he's just like, Someday you'll know the joy of love, having children, and paying someone else to raise them. Isn't that
0: the American dream?
1: Indeed. We all hope to get there someday. And And so so they're just flirting a
0: lot. Fester Fester is clearly overwhelmed by the whole situation. She is is clearly clearly trying to manipulate that that because the movie doesn't outright say it, but basically tells us she's she's the the Black Widow. She wants to get Fester's money.
1: Oh, I guess it doesn't outright say it. It's very obvious. It's not hiding it. The moment we see that TV
0: show, it's It's like like very very clear. Okay, this is what the movie is about. Right. And so I thought the whole movie was going to be about her trying to seduce her way into the family but, but it's, it's not. not no i mean we'll, we'll get, get to this, this but they get married exactly at the halfway point
1: right so uh one of her ways of flirting is she's reading cinderella to the baby and she just is talking about how cinderella looks over and sees a man over at the bar essentially it just gets increasingly graphic and specific about fester where she's just like she looks over and sees him and gets a quiver under my bodice and she, she said, said, who said who is that bald man over there so you know it goes through that and then it brings us to point number three (laughs) <laughs> Which is the first date.
0: Yay. So, And this, this is a, a double date. Right. With Gomez and Morticia and then with Fester and Debbie. Fester has been building up his courage to ask Debbie out. He's been super shy about it. And Gomez has been saying like, hey, go for it. I'm excited for you. I'm excited that you're going to have love in your life too. Right. And Fester insists that it be a double date so that he won't have to be alone with Debbie. And they go to Mark's favorite club. It looks so fun.
1: Wouldn't you want to eat dinner in a cave? I would want to eat dinner in a cave. There are places where you can do that. Are there really? Yeah. Probably not in DC. No. (laughs) But yeah, so they go out. Everyone's dressed up to the nines very spanish theme on gomez as always Yeah. so it cuts to like a shot of the restaurant and you see this string quartet and then for some reason they're behind a cage i
0: mean who, who among, among us has not found, found ourselves, ourselves suddenly behind a cage, a cage at some
1: point? point i mean true so they're like going through dinner fester is so awkward yes, yes he, he is incapable speak of speaking to anyone basically <laughs> yeah gomez and morticia are really trying their best at one point morticia and debbie are having like girls talk in the bathroom and fester and gomez are back at the table
0: Part of the, the, the challenge, challenge of all this is that Debbie is putting our front. And so she's, she's talking, talking to Morticia, Morticia, and she's like, I don't know how this is going. And Morticia's like, like no, he's definitely into you. Whereas Fester is 100% actually emotionally invested. And is right. super nervous. And Gomez, and Gomez is like, like, no, just keep, keep being yourself. It'll, it'll be, great. be great. And, and then, then when everybody gets back, back that's when, when we have this wonderful dance number. number. It's so great. It's just
1: Gomez Gomez and Morticia, Morticia, but it's it's terrific. Comes out of nowhere, over-the-top dancing, and we're, like, pulling...
0: Gomez is pulling the tablecloth off the table table and doing elaborate, like, tablecloth waving, almost like bullfighting, but even more extreme than that.
1: Morticia picks up empty oyster shells and uses them as castanets. She She also grabs a butter
0: knife and... Hurls it it at at Gomez Gomez and he catches catches it in his teeth.
1: Yeah. At one point, he spins her across the floor so fast that it lights on fire where she goes. It's just so over the top and so great. It's a fun sequence. sequence. And so after the dinner, Fester and Debbie go for a walk in a cemetery. As one does. And that's where you get one of my favorite parts of this movie, which is Debbie is like negging herself in a way where she's just like, Fester, how could you love someone like me? I'm so ugly and sad. And And of course, this this is is
0: Joan Cusack looking
1: Awesome. Yeah. And then my favorite part, she lays down on a grave that looks like a couch for some reason and is just like, I have to confess something. I'm a virgin in the most sexual way you could ever say the phrase, I'm a virgin. Yeah. And she's, she's laying like, it oh, on really thick. thick. She, it's so great. And
0: it's kind of funny because Fester does not know what a virgin, virgin is. Yeah. He
1: says, You are? What's that? And she says, It's sharing the physical act of love. And he goes, Oh, with other people? Then I'm a virgin too. Yeah. <laughs> Which, Which comes, comes back later where she's, she's like, like, really? Yeah. So that brings us to point number,
0: number four. Number four, yeah. <laughs> because, because with it, this, back, yeah. They, they come, come back from this, from this date, date and Fester, Fester announces that he has wonderful date. news. Yeah, they're engaged. So
1: this point number four is like their wedding and honeymoon. And
0: as you can tell, things move very quickly in their relationship. Yeah. yeah because Debbie, Debbie is just here, just here to like get, like, get in, get, the money, money, get yeah. so so is, the money, get out. Yeah. And so, so their wedding is, is it's, it's a big deal. All of the items are, are there. This, this is, is the one place really that we see cousin it in this movie. movie. Yeah. See so him again, again at the
1: end briefly. Right. And um cousin it's wife in this movie. In the first movie, is married to their banker, who's trying to scam the Adamses, And then she falls in love with Cousin It. So they bring her back in this one, which I really appreciate. There's also a baby It,
0: who was just a little robot, robot that they had on a scooter, scooter going around. Yeah,
1: in a coffin. So they're engaged, they show up, and Gomez says, That's my mother's ring! She was buried wearing it! And Debbie just pulls out a shovel from nowhere. Yep. Literal gold digger. gold digger. Yeah, it is not... Settle. No, now,
0: there are a bachelor, bachelor and bachelorette parties. parties. The, the big notable thing from the bachelor party is that, is that they pull out a big cake that, like, a stripper would come out of, and Gomez keeps knocking on the cake to get the, get the stripper to come out, and then they, they open the top, the top and a bunch of steam, steam comes out, and returns he turns to Lurch and said, was she in it when you put it in, it in the oven? oven? And then they just go, c'est
1: la vie, and start dancing again. Tomorrow may never come. Ooh. Foreshadowing. Ooh. So then they go to the wedding, and Fester gives this like
0: beautiful vow commitment of undying love. Because he is really into Debbie and also just so into the idea that he finally has someone to be with.
1: Right. He's clearly a lonely man. Yeah. And so it's very much that he is way over the top, overcompensating. And Debbie's response after he gives his vows is just, Oh, um, yeah,
0: ditto. And then they're married. So they're married, and we go to Hawaii to see their honeymoon, and this is it, we know, because this is when Debbie kills her husbands. Yeah, because on the newscast, they say it's the first night that they wedding, die. But there's never enough evidence to nail her for anything. Right. And so, Fester is in a bubble bath, filled up to his chin, and Debbie is going on like, oh, do you love me? It's like, yeah, would you do anything for me? Sure. And she's like, would you die for me? And she picks up a boombox. And throws it in the tub. throws it in the tub. And these are my favorite shots of the movie because all of the lighting now is just going back and forth between blackouts and flashing like blue light yeah supposed to be the electrical surge from all this and we're just seeing debbie's face laughing yeah they're really creepy well done but also kind of funny shots and this is when we discover that uncle fester is invincible yeah he's just immortal inexplicably even wolverine gets cuts that then heal Uncle Uncle Fester, Fester. nothing. nothing.
1: Yeah. I think it's in the first movie, Uncle Fester is shown to be electric, where when he puts a light bulb in his mouth, it lights up. Which we
0: do see here in the bathtub.
1: Yes. So I think that he's just, because he's an Igor, he has control over electricity
0: and also explosions. (laughs) The electricity dies down and we see this smoke-filled room and Fester is sitting there grinning in the bathtub. This is just flirting to an Adams. Right. When they're in bed later, she's upset because she had tried to kill him and it didn't work. And he's like, oh, you're upset about the bathtub. And she's like, yep. And he says, don't worry about it. It was a mistake. Yeah. And he's giving her so much credit. And she just tried to murder him. Yeah. When she just actively throws a boombox into
1: a tub. And he's Mark, like, it was an accident. If you threw a boombox into like a swimming pool that I was in, I would not be as forgiving for you as Buster is. Um, You know what, Will? That's fair. I'm okay with that
0: you know i appreciate your understanding
1: so then they're like laying on the bed she's pissed off and he's basically says like i'm not gonna sleep with you and then she goes wait have you had sex before and he goes no and she just goes how do you know we're not doing it right now as
0: they're not even touching and then they are going to actually have sex and she's like now there are some rules before we do it and he says no giggling and she goes sure and he says no hand puppets (laughs) sure but the rule she actually gives is he can't see his family anymore. Yeah. So th- she says she wouldn't be able to orgasm if she could imagine the atoms as being in her life moving forward.
1: Which is bizarre. But because he's a virgin,
0: he goes for it.
1: And this is where you he get- sends postcards to everyone in his family being like, I love you very much. Thanks for everything. I'll never see you again. And that's where you get to the real conflict of this movie, which is like. The other
0: Adams is trying to get him back, trying yeah. to rescue him. So then. Um, as Morticia put it, you have enslaved him. You have placed him under some strange sexual spell. I respect that. Right. There's some great Morticia digs in that scene because they go to his house. Right. They, they move into this huge mansion, and Debbie is using Adam's money to decorate it, including a giant portrait of herself, like putting all kinds of nice furniture. She mentions very specifically, those came from catalogs. She has a Queen Anne chandelier and Bester keeps trying to like get her to be romantic with him And she is literally, like, he says, like, can I kiss you? And she's like, $20. Yeah,
1: give me a kiss. Give me a 20. And then the Adams go to visit to see Fester. And Debbie is the one that talks to them. And she refuses and then gets Fester to actually say, go away. You can't come back. And Morticia says that you've enslaved him. You've taken him away from us. You've brought trouble into our family. I can forgive all that. But Debbie, pastels. And then she just leaves, because that's what's truly offensive to the Adams,
0: Right. And so then, at this point, Debbie enacts another one of her plans to kill him, which is she builds an elaborate bomb, puts it in a box, wraps it up as a present, and is like, happy birthday, Fester. I got this present for you. It's their three-week anniversary. Oh, their three-week anniversary, right. And he's really excited, and she's like, no, no, I'm going out of the house. You can't open it until I come back. Because the bomb, Mark, the the bomb is going to go off. While she's gone. So she's it'll so explode smart. and she won't be there. She's so smart. She never wants him to open the present. She doesn't actually care about him. She's so mean. Yeah that's so mean and he's so excited he, he shakes, shakes the box and he's like oh wow it's a bomb <laughs> and then when she looks horrified, kind of like rolls her eyes and leaves yeah and
1: no she looks more and he just goes oh no I know wait for my birthday so then she leaves and goes to a navy bar she goes to
0: a navy bar where they sing Macho Man with the one navy officer who has the most lines is Tony Shaloub. that's
1: Tony Shaloub? yeah I didn't
0: notice that at all that's all I could think about during that scene
1: that's incredible oh my god so then she goes back to the house is sitting in the car and practicing crying to the police officer it's so great she has a like a scarf over her head in a white dress again calling calling back to the almost old hollywood look yeah and she's just like
0: oh officer my husband it was an accident it was an accident he should should never have been been near near the bomb bomb. we keep (laughs) our bombs in a safe secure (laughs) location and i don't know what what he was was doing doing playing playing with them oh my god
1: so this brings us to the last point which is just, like, the conclusion of their
0: whole romance, in yeah, air quotes. she comes back from the Tony Shaloub Navy bar after, after having promised to return, return once she deals with her husband. Yeah.
1: Oh, we forgot when she goes to the passport office. Oh, right. And she's just like, I need to renew my passport. I'll be leaving the country very soon. And the passport office says, says alone. And her response is just, I'll be a widow. So she's very not subtle, and I don't know how the FBI hasn't caught on to her That's, yet. I mean, and here's the, the thing the is, thing she's featured
0: on the... the- serial killer trading cards that Wednesday and Pugsley's friend at camp has. Yeah. Who's played, by the way, by David Krumholtz, because everyone in this movie is somebody that you kind of (laughs) know. Yeah, so
1: then after the bomb goes off she's very happy. She's victorious.
0: victorious and then of course because, because Fester is not just electric proof, proof he is bomb proof he comes walking out carrying a tray what, what is on that tray? tray? It's the roast beef that he made Right. So he's carrying
1: a tray of roast beef and is just like covered in ash. Yeah, doesn't even really mention the bomb. He's just like, hi Tabby
0: welcome home. Well cause he knew it was a bomb and apparently he loves bombs
1: Yeah. He was excited, excited to, be to be getting a bomb, getting a bomb. So while is walking out she pulls a gun on him and is giving a whole spiel like i've tried to make it an accident blah 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 and is pointing it at him ready to shoot and thing just drives over her with a car by the
0: way thing Thing is a disembodied hand
1: (laughs) yes it's just a hand that moves around and can drive somehow
0: apparently it it has to like jump jump around around to do the brakes
1: yeah so it just drives over debbie slowly
0: so she doesn't get hurt right it knocks her out of the way way, but she is still good so she can can hop in her car chase them back to the adams family mansion right where they have a big showdown she kidnaps all of them, straps Strap them to electric, electric chairs because there is a handy room full of electric chairs, chairs in the Adams Family Manor. Yeah, of
1: course. Don't you have your attic just full of the exact number of electric chairs that live in your
0: house? No, I only have one electric chair because, you know, I only have so much space. I need other room in my attic for all of those laser discs I keep trying to buy on eBay.
1: Yeah, well, when you have Adam's money someday, you can get more than one. Mark, we should buy a laser disc player. No, we're not going to. It would, be fun. Gonna... It would ha- be fun. Will, what movies only come out on LaserDisc? Nothing, nothing, but, but we, we could watch, watch
0: movies on LaserDisc.
1: This is such a waste of money. You have to flip them over halfway through. It's part
0: of the charm. You own records?
1: Yeah, but. They actually have, like, a higher quality of sound. We don't know that Vinyl Disc doesn't have a higher quality of movie. Oh my god, We have never tested this. How much does a Laserdisc player actually cost? I have no idea, but Laserdiscs are very cheap on eBay. (laughs) Because they're so dumb. So, I think one of my favorite parts of this is how she just, instead of doing, like, a villain monologue explaining her motives... Speaking of projections, projections... Yeah, she
0: pulls out a full... Slideshow. It's so funny. It's so great. And her supervillain origin is that when she was a child, she wanted to get Ballerina Barbie for her birthday.
1: With a pink tutu.
0: Right. And instead, her parents gave her Malibu Barbie, which is unacceptable. She is not a Malibu girl. They should know that. This is her origin. And as this is going, it's just slides of an increasingly infuriated small child. And then the next one is their house on
1: fire. So Debbie has killed her parents. She's killed her heart surgeon husband, her senator husband, which again, she uses an axe on the heart surgeon and runs over the senator. I don't know how these are portrayed as accidents. And by By the
0: the way, when she is the axe. Carol Kane as Grandma was like, "Oh, axes! That brings yeah. me back."
1: Yeah, I mean, they've already murdered one person in this movie—a woman in the cake—and they also with the cans on the just married car have a dead body they're not that upset about
0: the concept you of mean, murder you shouldn't kill, kill people, people but like once someone, someone is dead, dead what do they need their body for hey yeah true
1: so during all this she gives her full thing and then little baby pubert and meanwhile
0: baby pubert <laughs> yeah, is constructing an elaborate Rube Goldberg mission to get from the first floor of the house up to, to the top the of the tower I don't know if he's actually I know he cuts himself out of the crib I think it's deliberate is it deliberate or is, is it just it involves him riding around on one roller skate and using a loose plank from a floorboard to create a catapult using a cannonball that rolls all the way down the stairs, he flies up into the atmosphere, like waves into an airplane, and then falls back down and is able to recircuit the electric chairs so that instead of pumping electricity through the chairs, it, it pumps the electricity, electricity back through Debbie. And, and she fries and screams and, and her hair flies out like she touched a Van de Graaff generator. And the way
1: the story of Debbie ends is she's literally turned into ashes. She's a pile of ash. That's it. Goodbye, Debbie. They, they bury, bury her at the estate. estate. Yeah. They're never against Debbie. They yeah. understand Debbie the you whole way. bury it as Debbie and her epitaph says wife, psycho. Yeah. So that's the end of Debbie. And even then the, the credits start, start and it goes, whoop, there, there it is, is the out-of-family. Adam family. Oh, no, there is a coda to the romance of Fester, where a year later, My when wife. they're at Puberts' first birthday, Cousin It and his wife show up with a friend named Dementia, who is just the female Fester. Well, well no, it's specifically, specifically the their nanny, nanny for baby It. Baby it. Yeah. It's Fester, Fester has an nanny oh, fetish. Oh, he does. I didn't even pick up on that. So Fester does find love in the end. It's implied with dementia. Who's the the name name of of the other? Yeah. Oh, that didn't sound great. Out of context. That was a dark dark
0: movie movie you just created.
1: created. (laughs) It's a very dark movie in many ways. But that's it. Will, what do you think? Is Fester's
0: relationship with Debbie believable? There There are parts parts of it that I believe. I believe the idea that somebody could be so into somebody that they don't notice they're being manipulated. I find that very believable. Yeah. I believe that somebody could take advantage of someone for their money. Someone who's very well-meaning. What I don't believe is that this person who is called by the media the Black Widow has killed three husbands and attempted in a attempt Including a U.S. senator. Right. Using very aggressive methods. Like the the boombox in the bathtub that she tried to fester is the most well-thought-out of her plans.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's... The- Only one where you could believably
0: say, Oh, this could have been an accident, right? Right. And And because because this this is central central to her romantic agenda, I would have to say no, that I don't don't believe Debbie would get anywhere near this or pull this off. off. There There are lots of pieces pieces of it that kind of work for me, me, but that's that's a big problem, problem. yeah. I mean, based on
1: Fesser's loneliness and Joan Cusack's looks, definitely believe that he would be attracted to her, right? Right. And 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 that there there are people who would take advantage of him for his money, yeah. So, this is not our least believable relationship. To
0: me, it's a while you were sleeping situation where the core of the romance works, but the circumstances around it that are integral to the romance are so over the top that you can't divorce that from the romance.
1: Yeah, so where would you put it on the scale? I would
0: put it with while you were sleeping sleeping at a
1: three. Yeah, I agree. Where would you put Morticia and Gomez? I know we haven't talked about them, but... Morticia and Gomez are great. There is a scene where it looks like Gomez is dying, but then he doesn't.
0: They don't really revisit that.
1: Yeah. Um... He's singing Swing Low, Sweet
0: Chariot in bed. Actually, interesting thing about that is that the actor who plays him, Raul Julia, died a year after this movie came out. And so he had shot some other stuff, but this is the last movie he was in that came out in his lifetime. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. That's That's a fun
1: Yeah. He's great in it. He is.
0: And I I find that one very believable. It's just a loving uh, married couple.
1: (laughs) They're so great. They're so perfect for they each other. They fit each other very well. Yeah, and anytime Morticia speaks in a foreign language, Gomez goes absolutely insane. They've been married it for so even long. What she's <laughs> saying, "Yeah, not at all. They've been married for so long and love
0: each other so much." If you hashtag to... #goals Hashtag #goals #bfacts, hashtag 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 if, if you know, know anything about, about laserdiscs laser discs and can, can tell, tell me about why they're why great, tweet at them like tweet with me #bfacts. Hashtag hashtag um. So, do you think either of them are dateable, Will? Morticia and Gomez? No, Fester and Debbie. Sorry. Um. No. Yeah. There. I think we can end it there. Debbie Debbie is a triple murderer, and Fester is just a little too creepy and awkward for me. Too much. There's a lot going on there. The howling at the moon alone. Yeah. (laughs) The first scene (laughs) of the movie. Too much. Yeah. You're already off board. If you did have to pick one person from the movie to date, who would it be? Morticia. Oh, yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Maybe Carol Kane because she's Carol Kane, but
0: Morticia is the answer for me, of course. I was, I was thinking Nathan, Nathan Lane, Lane. <laughs> oh, the cop. Nathan, Nathan Lane plays a police officer police in this movie who is pretty darn fun. He's in one scene, scene and he, he is completely, completely bewildered by, by the Addamses. He's, he's the, the person, person more than anyone else in this movie who reacts as, as an ordinary real life person, like to, to the Addamses, right? Because he's just so confused by their presence and by their whole manner.
1: Yeah, because the whole family shows up to try and get Debbie arrested. For for taking fester away from them so he's just like they've bought a giant house she's dressed him in new clothes all this stuff she's all this stuff, they stuff they find
0: horrifying yeah perfectly reasonable yeah
1: they even drive a buick um and when the cop refuses to arrest debbie for no reason gomez Gives the best speech, where he's just like, I have seen darkness and all these different horrifying images, and they'll cut to different members of the family. And my favorite is like, I've seen the epitome of evil itself. And Morticia just goes, they're at
0: camp. Uh, My My favorite line from Nathan Nathan Lane Lane is when he's he's just like trying trying to get these people to go away because they're too weird, and he obviously can't help them because they're not dealing with a real crime. crime. He He says, says, who are you and who moved moved the rock? As, As in, in the, the rock from which you came out. <laughs> yeah. Who let, let you out into the world and why?
1: Oh, this movie's really good. He's fun. Nathan, Nathan Lane is
0: fun. Lane is fun. He, he played, played Gomez in the original Broadway cast. cast. He did.
1: Oh, yeah. Nice full circle moment. Yeah. Um, I think that does it yeah. for the yeah. Adams Family yeah. Values. Yeah. I recommend it for sure.
0: I mean, you, you liked it a lot more than I did. Like I said, I honestly prefer the camp plotline that, that we did not talk about.
1: I mean, that's the better plotline for sure. That's where Debbie, to get, to get the kids out of the way, has them, them sent off to... Off to... Summer right, camp.
0: Right, exactly. Camp Chippewa. Yeah. I don't know. They, they stage a revolution, a revolution against this oppressively chipper camp where, camp where they're putting on a very bad play, play about the first Thanksgiving.
1: I mean, it's a camp for rich people too, where they're like, we're here to have fun, do activities, blah, 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 because... That's what being privileged is all about. And they jump into the air and the camp is just great. But I think that's about it. I'd recommend it. I love this movie for its camp values. It is like the height of camp. That's campiness, campiness, not not
0: Camp camp Yeah, not Camp Chippewa. Just it is so campy. That it is. Um, I love it. Next week, we're going to be finally doing something that we promised to do a while ago, which is is the return of hashtag Claire's Corner and our first film from from outside the the U.S. or the UK. U.K., The 2003 Bollywood Bollywood musical melodrama, melodrama, Kalho Naho. Guys,
1: get ready. This is the greatest. I'm so excited. I have no No idea idea how
0: we're going to do this episode. This
1: episode, just fair warning, this episode might be three hours long.
0: It won't won't be, be, but but the movie is... But, but here's the, the deal. This movie is on Amazon Prime. Prime. I'm, I'm assuming most people who listen to listen the show have not seen Kalho Naho. It's, it's on Prime. Prime. It is incredible. I'm so, so delighted to have
1: please seen watch it. it. Check, check it out. Watch, watch this, this movie. movie. This is probably one of the movies that you should definitely have watched because the episode will be
0: hard to follow if you haven't. And, and also because if you have seen it, it awesome, but I'm assuming most people have haven't. Right. And it's very easy to access. Just go on Amazon Prime. It's so good. Yeah, so check that out. Again,
1: it's Kalho Naho. Uh it's gonna be a delight. But in the meantime, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe,
0: and say hey to us on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness. And keep sending us those hashtag podcast summer stories on Twitter. I was just talking to our past guest, Catherine, who was saying that she got her dad to listen to the When Harry Met Sally episode that she was on, and then he got his coworkers to listen to it. So this is like an ever-spreading podcast summer story. Yeah. So... Email us
1: questions or suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. And, of course, last question, Mark. What's the best piece of dating
0: advice you got from this movie?
1: Um, Probably be immortal. Because then you can make your way through multiple murder attempts and hopefully try and
0: reconcile in the end. I was thinking there is a romance we did not discuss, which is between the daughter Wednesday and her co-camper. Joel. And you know what they do to bring their relationship to fruition? They stage a violent revolution against an ahistorical musical. And that's what I would like to do. That works too. There you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye.
1: Bye. Alert you ring. Yep. Fest up, grandma, and thing. Wait, can't forget cousin It Tag team reps another party hit. Come it's on. the Adams family movie thing. Gomez, Morticia.
0: Come, Come on, on, sing. On, yeah.